0: Okay. Good morning, everyone. It is it is good to see uh, people going away on honeymoon and back with us. Uh, it's nice when people come back from honeymoon, isn't it? That's a, that's a good sign straight away, isn't it? They've made it through honeymoon and they've come back. That's that's really good. Well done, Michael and Lisa. Well done, Colin and Marissa. I mean, Andy and oh my goodness, Andy and Marissa. Um, yeah, just great. Great. Um, I, I think it, it, it's just great to be together, just, just so impressed with people. Andy got married last week, being on honeymoon, cut his honeymoon short to come back so that he can serve on the stewarding team today. Give him a round of applause for that. Um, he needn't have done it, but he's done it. And we just think that's fantastic in South Wales and he just had a wonderful time. Uh, with him last week, we, you know, just so many people uh, get married. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Well, good, good, all good news. Um, it's, it's, it's a great season for celebrating things. If you remember last week we started, I started talking about graduations and there were three pictures I showed you uh, last week. Just being very proud, a proud father with a proud mother. There's our eldest son, John, when he graduated. The next one, uh, there's our th- second child Jess when she graduated and Philippa still wears the same outfit for the third one you notice <laughs> but um, but that many years later she didn't get a new she didn't get a new outfit for this one but this one got the first class honours degree and we gave him a round of applause this week so I'm not going to show off too much this week again um, but but just proud father three children and if you remember was saying last week How wonderful it was that I didn't have to change their nappies anymore, that they could have a sensible conversation with me, that they were growing up, that they were maturing and um, it's not so much the educational qualifications that they get that matter, it's the sense of maturity, that sense of growing up that as a father, I can be proud of them because I can talk to them, I can communicate with them. They're not little babies forever, they're growing up. And made the point last week that we said all children, all sons, all daughters are born to bring glory to their fathers. And then we started taking that across and saying in Scripture, in, in, in our spiritual lives, how much more should we understand that we have a loving Heavenly Father. You've heard about his love for us today, but he loves us so much. We have a loving Heavenly Father who wants the very best for us. And he too wants us to bring glory to him by acting like mature sons and daughters. We explained briefly last week as well that in scripture, you, 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 when we talk about sons in the New Testament, it often in the Greek, in the original Greek, it talks about sons rather than sons and daughters, but it means sons and daughters because it was only the sons in the Greek Roman world of the first century, only the sons that got the inheritance. So when it talks about um, you know, creation waiting in Romans eight for the sons of God to be revealed, Women, you're included too. It's the sons and daughters. It's because the sons get the inheritance. So whenever we use the word sons in scripture, we're meaning men and women. It means all of us, because in Galatians 3.28, there's neither male nor female. All of us get the inheritance. And we're all qualified to get the inheritance and to act. And we said how there was a word that's used in the Greek New Testament and in the world of that time, adoption. And the Holy Spirit is actually called the spirit of adoption, and we explained last week that adoption in the first century of the Greek-Roman uh, world did not mean the same as it means today, where today we talk about adoption, meaning you take somebody from outside the family and bring them into the family, and they're adopted. It could mean that, but more often, more frequently, it meant adoption was someone already born into the family, that they had someone, uh, an experienced slave um, in the, in, the, in the household, training them, beating them with a stick, telling them that they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that. A, a paedagogos, a tutor, uh, a, a, an instructor who was there to help them hurry up and mature so that at no predetermined date, but just at a set time when the father of the household looked at his son or looked at his daughter and thought, you're mature now, they went through an adoption ceremony, even though they'd been born into the family. You're following me on this? So they were adopted. And so in scripture, when we talk, we read about adoption, we're waiting for our adoption. Creation is waiting, is groaning, it says in Romans chapter 8, waiting for the sons of God, daughters of God to be adopted, for their maturity to be revealed. God, the father, is waiting for you to grow up. And he's such a loving father. In the old covenant, we talked about the tutor that used to instruct Uh, believers in God and the tutor was law and law would say don't do this don't do that you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that but never actually helped but in the new covenant after Jesus has been uh, died resurrected and ascended to his father and poured out the person of God the Holy Spirit We have a helper, John 14, John 15, John 16, that's what he's called. We have a helper, the person of God, the Holy Spirit, who comes and lives within us and isn't there just ticking us off all the time saying, don't do that, don't do that. But we have, instead of an external law imposed upon us, you should do this, you should do that, you shouldn't do that, you should do this. Instead of that, we have an internal power, just as Ezekiel had prophesied, that I'll put my spirit in you and cause you and move you to obey all my commandments. So today we're in a much, as it says all through the book of Hebrews, we're in a much, much better covenant with God than old covenant believers had, where it was the law that was instructing them. We have within us not just someone who tells us this is what you should do, you should do this, you should do that. We have someone who lovingly helps us to mature, helps us to grow up. So just as in the natural, we, we love our children to mature and grow up and not forever be in nappies, so too in the spiritual realm, those of us who are born of the Holy Spirit, born from above, we can grow up. And spiritually speaking, we don't have to run around in nappies, uh, it's all about me, it's what I want, it's what I think is right, it's what I think I should do. That's childish behavior. We actually have a loving Father, we have the Holy Spirit within us who's helping us to do what the Father wants and to act like the Father. Because when you're born from above, you are born not of of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. You are already, there's nothing wrong with anybody in this room, there is nothing wrong with you you have within you the DNA to become just like Jesus. So 1 John four seventeen tells us in fact, as he is now, so also are we in this world. And so where we act immature, where we carry on with sinful habits, with sinful addictions, it isn't that there's something wrong with us, it's just we haven't realized yet what he's done for us. When Jesus died at the cross, do you remember what he said? He said, it is finished. And so all the work is done, all we've got to do is catch up with who we already are and what is already done for us. So there's a catching up process and to help us in our practical maturity, there is nothing wrong with you. Nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with you, nothing wrong with you. The more you realise that, the more you mature practically. So a child you know, has within it the DNA to become like its father, so too we have the DNA, we are already just like Jesus. We're going to look at that a bit more. But there's a practicality, there's a practical working out of it where we go into a school, if you like, of sonship. A school of sonship. And today, all of us, once you're born again, once you've given your life to Jesus, once you've said, actually, I'm not going my way, I'm going your way, You're Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead and you're alive and I can sense your presence. You know what? Something happens and you are born from above and you enter a school. <laughs> this isn't United School of Ministry Manchester. Let me just give a quick plug. There's a few places available. <laughs> Last chance. Anyone not done it yet, you need to do it. United School of Ministry, Manchester, we have places available. But you enter a school of sonship where your tutor, your tutor believes in you. Believes you're a champion, believes you're going to make it, says you're just like Jesus. You know what? You're fantastic. You know what? You're wonderful. You know what? That sinful happy, it's going to go. It's gone. It's gone. You, you, you're, you're, you're a champion. You're not some dirty, mucky little sinner scrubbling around in the dirt. You're a king. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're a wonderful person. Do you not understand what Jesus did for you when He died on the cross? He set you free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to be a slave to any sinful habit. You don't have to live in that that addiction. You don't have to behave in that way. You can be kind. You can be generous. You're just like Jesus. And so you have this wonderful tutor, just as I said last week. Jess had a wonderful teacher at school. She failed in the sack race at primary school, fell over there. I saw her fail. <laughs> when she got to secondary school, what did she do? A teacher believed in and said, keep going. You're going to do it. You're going to make it. You're a champion. You're good. Year 10, what did she become? Gold medal, National Schools Biathlon champion. You see, yeah. 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 <laughs> She's not even here this morning. But, but you, you know what? You too have someone living in you who's telling you you're a champion. The enemy will come to you, especially at night time, he'll come to you when you wake up in the middle of the night and say, you're a failure. You're no good. This Christianity stuff is following you. It's not you. You're a failure. You're, you're a miserable wretch. You, you're not doing it. You're not going to make it. Whoa. What Dave was saying about giving your life to God, that Graham Deacon dying thinking of all that he's done for God. You're not going to be like that. You're going to be, be just thinking of all the shameful things you've done, the ways you've disobeyed God, the ways you've let Him down. No, not at all. You are going to make it. Hear the Holy Spirit within you say that today. You are a champion. You're going to make it. And you've entered a school where you have the very best teacher. The teacher doesn't put you down. The teacher builds you up. The teacher, the Holy Spirit, helps you and enables you to to progress and make uh, uh, make progress and says, you're going to graduate. You're going to be adopted. Your father is going to be pleased with you. You see, I want to talk about just some of the lessons that the Holy Spirit within you gives us in this school of sonship. And in Titus 2, the first lesson, this is probably lesson one of the very early lessons. I don't know if it's the very first one, but it's a very early lesson. Is the Holy Spirit teaches us to say a very short word. No. Two letters. Three letters in French, four letters in German. I don't know how many letters it is in your language. No. Everybody say no. no. The Holy Spirit teaches us to say No, because if we're going to grow up, if we're going to get out of our spiritual nappies, we have to learn to say no. So Titus 2 and verse 12, Paul writes, it, referring to the grace of God, it teaches us, interesting, it teaches us to say, you see, in the old covenant, remember the old tutor that was there of the Greek Roman world, that the experienced slave who had, they painted him on vase with a stick chasing you. There, there's old writing in antiquity of him saying, don't stuff your face when you're eating too much. Don't play dice, you shouldn't cross your legs. Just all, no fun, just hitting you with a stick and stuff. The old covenant uh, would teach you what you should do. In the new covenant, the grace of God teaches us to say, no. Do you get the difference? In the old covenant, grace, it was, the law said no. In the new covenant, we learn to say no to certain things. So the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives uh, in this present age. So the Holy Spirit teaches us to say no. So to progress, if you're going to grow up if you're going to mature, it's not just about experience. It, 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 it's learning. It's, it's, about, it's not just how many years you've been a Christian. You know, there's some people can be a Christian just a couple of minutes and they've grown more than people who've been a Christian for years and years because they're learning, they're allowing, they're cooperating with the person of the Holy Spirit within them. And um, the Holy Spirit will, will teach you, we've got to accept responsibility uh, to say no to certain things. There's such life-changing power in that very short word, no. If you can say no to certain things, you're gonna grow up so much more quickly. If you can learn to say no to certain things. Um, You see, we need to learn to say no to the system of this world an attitude of pleasure that says please yourself do what you want to do there aren't any consequences for this at all such an attitude the attitude of this world, everybody has the right to say what's right and what's wrong I decide for myself such an attitude of this worldly way of living, it will tear down your morals, it will tear down your heart it will do what Romans 12 verse 1 says it will do and it will transform you who have the DNA to be just like Jesus, it will transform Form you to be just like everybody else. We say no to the system of this world. We say no not just to the system of the world, but to living life in the flesh, living life for our own pleasure and satisfaction. Do you remember when you were at school? Hands up, please. Did anybody skip, bunk, wag, lessons? Put your hands up, confess. Yeah. Uh, you know, you thought, well, some of you are looking shocked now. I did it. I did it. Some of you are looking shocked. But, you know, many of us, some of you are not putting your hands up. <laughs> but, but but many of us, Somebody's looking appalled here. Many of us did that. And the crazy thing was is, and when I was head of year across the road at the school, across the road, here, well, you know, what, what I'd find is you'd, you'd do the rounds and you'd, Find missing one of my jobs was to go around and scoop up all the kids that were missing lessons hiding in the toilets and I used to in the end I used to think well what's up with you guys I'd go in I wouldn't shout at them I'd just say to them I'd just look at them and just stare at them hiding in the toilets and you know I've been found I said what what is the pleasure what is the satisfaction of missing a lesson we just want to say we missed a lesson. I thought I could I could empathise, but I didn't tell them that. I, 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 yeah, you just sort of you miss out, you're missing out on you're putting yourself in a in a, a realm. I didn't use these words to them because they wouldn't have understood. Um, <laughs> but if you're putting yourself in a realm where what the teachers want to give you, you've just taken yourself away of that realm. When the Bible, when the Bible, when the New Testament, when Paul writes about living in the flesh, he's not talking about, because we're all living in the flesh in our physical body, but he's talking about living in a power zone where we've removed ourselves from the power and the influence of this tutor, the Holy Spirit, who's the best teacher we've got. We've removed ourselves from that power zone and we've put ourselves in a power zone where we're outside of his influence. And we stop growing up when we do that. We stop receiving instruction. We stop receiving help from the helper. You know, every day you can make a decision when you get up am I going to live in the power zone of the flesh today or in the power zone of the Holy Spirit? When you wake up in the morning, you can say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. I want to live today. Under your influence, under your sway, under your control, I want you to teach me. I want to fellowship with you. I want to talk to you. I want to know you. You're my best friend. I want you to be, you're my helper to mature. When you live like that, guess what happens? You start to mature. You start to grow up rapidly. When you move yourself, I'm going to, I'm just, you you don't. Um, The spirit teaches us to say no to living in the power zone of the flesh. No to pride, it's all about me. No to wrong ambition, I want to do that so I can look good. No to critical and superior attitude, you know the trouble with him, the trouble with her, oh I'm so much better than that. No to all of that. No to independent living. I need my brothers and my sisters. I need the fellowship of a church community. Uh, And and, and you say no to the flesh. You also say no to the system of this world, no to the flesh and no to the devil. You say, I've not seen the devil recently. But there are unseen demonic forces, I believe, at work in the world. Galatians 1 verse 4, Paul refers to this age that we live in as this present evil age. The devil and his demons will come any way they can to push into your life to gain influence, be it through a sickness, be it through uh, a way of life, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions, in your finance. He wants a foothold in your life. Uh, We have to say no and not give him any chance to have a foothold in your life because he wants to tear you down, he wants you in nappies till you die, spiritually speaking. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says this. says, give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give him a chance. Don't open the door yourself and say, come on in, have a little go at me. Don't give him a chance. And it says, therefore, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What's Paul saying? He's saying, don't go to bed angry with any other person on the planet. Um... Husbands and wives, never go to bed angry with one another. Philippa and myself, the day we got married, we made that vow to each other. We said, coming up to the first 29 with the best. No, that's a joke. But we've been coming up to 30 years of marriage. We have never gone to bed angry with each other. We've had some very, 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 very late nights. But at least there's been peace in our heart when we've gone to sleep in the sense that I might not still agree with you about that or you, you might have got me wrong and you might be misunderstood, but at least we've got peace in our hearts. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, and Paul does it too in Ephesians four, the grace of God teaches us, not, It's not just husbands and wives, you know, going anger. If you go to bed angry and bitter, I'm not talking about, but you've got anger in your heart towards anybody. You know what you're doing? You're just opening the door of your heart and saying, come on in enemy. I'm giving you a foothold. Don't go to bed angry with each other. Uh, go to bed at least in some level of peace, even if it's not the wonderful, you know, some level of peace. Um, just, you know, can you all say no again? No. Say it as if you mean it. No. See, <laughs> The influences of the world in the office. I feel pressurized to act like everyone else in the office, in my hall at at, at uni. I feel I need to fit in with everyone else. And the thought of compromise with the world comes to me. What do we say to that thought? We say, No. I'm tempted. At times to live in the power zone of my flesh and move out of living in the spirit. Just a bit of carnality won't do any harm. Just a bit of moaning. Just a little bit. Let me think I'm superior to everyone else. Just let me express my opinion here. I don't care what other people might think about. What do we say to such thinking? No. You know, if we don't, it can easily get out of control. See, that wrong relationship. I opened the door and before I knew it, the enemy was in. On the internet, I looked at something, it was accidentally, and then for a few seconds, and before I knew it, the enemy was in. I was going deeper and deeper into the world wide web, looking at stuff that I know I shouldn't have been looking at. And it's hindering my maturity now. I had to handle the firm's finances, and well, I was just hard up, and I meant to, to, to put it back, but I just took that little bit, and then I had to take a bit more and a bit, and, and the enemy was in, he'd got a foothold. I looked at my finances. I thought, "What am I going to give to God this out of this salary?" I thought, "Well, actually, I, I, used, to, I used to believe in, in giving at least ten percent, but you know what? I'm a bit hard up, so I'm not." And suddenly, there's all sorts of ways that the devourer can come in when we forget to just say no to such thinking. Uh, no opportunity to the devil. You see, the grace of God through the Spirit of adoption within us teaches us to say no. See, you have to put effort into this. That's why I was saying, let's say it again. No, as if you mean it. No. Short word, but put effort into it. Hebrews 12, verse 14 says, make every effort to be holy. We can't rely. This teacher is teaching us to say no. He's not saying no for us. He's teaching us to say no. Um, you see, he gives us, The spirit of grace, the spirit of adoption within us, he gives us everything we need. In fact, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 said, God has given us everything we need for godliness. Uh, Ephesians 6:10 to 17 you can read about it the armor of God that we have 2 Timothy 3:16-17 tells us that this scripture the bible the scripture are there to help us to exhort us to build us up we have constant prayer Ephesians 6:18 we can be communicating talking with God the holy spirit not a million miles away inside us There's training. There's things that you have to do. You can't run a marathon. My daughter's run three marathons now. And and I see the training that she's done into it. You can't suddenly wake up one day and say, I'm going to run a marathon. You have to train, you have to work hard at it, you have to build your muscles. When we become Christians, we immediately have the ability not to sin. Nevertheless, we grow in maturity by doing certain things and not doing others. And we have to put effort into our doing some things and not doing others. So, for example, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 18 says this. It, 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 it says, you know, we, we, we flee, we run. The word is, you run like mad. You run away from all sexual temptation. Um, Sexual immorality. Fleeing temptation is important. There are times when you don't stand up to it, you just run and you get away from it. Uh, Philippa cooks a, 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 a wonderful, a beautiful strawberry pavlova. My aunt used to cook one and she passed away and then Philippa started making strawberry pavlova. It's absolutely beautiful. I love, I love this strawberry pavlova. And um, I I absolutely think it's wonderful. Uh, And when we have visitors come to our house, you know, the visitors will have the meal, then they'll go away and I'll be clearing up. Philippa might have gone away somewhere. I mean, remember the, you know, taking them back to the metro station or something, whatever. And I'm left clearing away and there is on the table, the strawberry pavlova. It's time to clear it away. I think, I'm doing the gym tomorrow. <laughs> just one slice, a little extra slice. It's just, it's just so beautiful, so nice. It's not going to do any harm. And then I think, I, I, I don't think of myself all the time. I start thinking about Philippa. I think, you know, she's quite trim. I know how I could bless her. I'll take another slice. That'll be less for her to be tempted with. The way it just cracks on the outside, it's gooey on the... It's so beautiful. And then I look at look, she's still not come back. I'm still on my own here with the strawberry pavlova. Just me and the strawberry pavlova. I think, you know what? If I finish it off now, no one will ever know that I had it because she'll forget about it. And before you know it, it's gone. Then she comes back and says, where's the strawberry pavlova? And that's... that's we won't go into what happens then. Um, but I'm not talking about strawberry plover. I'm talking about fleeing sexual temptation. You run, you don't hang around, you flee sexual tempt- temptation. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit says to you, this is what you need to do. You know, don't hang around. That, that night out with Fred and you think, hang on, this is going a little bit the wrong way now. Someone is getting a little bit too friendly, a bit too, you run. You don't hang around. You switch off the TV when it's, hang on, this is not going to leave, this is not edifying, this is not building, this computer, hang on, what am I looking at here? Stop! Run! Uh, you know, you, you've got a boyfriend, a girlfriend, it's late at night, you're on your own and you suddenly you're feeling, I'm going to, oh well, wow, what's going to happen next? Run! Flee sexual temptation. If you want to mature, if you want to know the Holy Spirit as an intimate friend, if you know, you've got to learn to do these things. Otherwise, you'll always be the baby in nappies. The Holy Spirit wants to know you. Doesn't want to be telling you all the time, no. That's why the Holy Spirit teaches us to say no. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to be saying to you all your life, no, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. The Holy Spirit wants us to say it so that the Holy Spirit can have mature conversations, so that God the Father can have mature conversations with his sons and daughters. You're called into fellowship with the Holy Spirit, not forever being told you shouldn't have done that, you should do this. That's the old covenant. That's the old way of doing things. You have God, the Holy Spirit living within you. You have the power. You have an internal power imparted instead of an external law imposed upon you. You can do it, you're a champion. You see, consider Romans 6, someone's going to get baptised after the meeting this morning. Consider yourselves dead to sin, buried when I got baptised in water. My old life, all that sinful, mucky rubbish was buried in the waters of baptism as I was raised to new life, as I came up out of the waters, so I became a new creation. The old was gone. The new has come. And so I can say, I am a new creation. And the Holy Spirit within me reminds me, you're a new creation. You're not a failure. You're not addicted to some rubbish. You haven't got to act like that. You can be kind. You can be generous. You're just like your father. Realise who you are. You see... The Spirit helps us as well to realise who we are in our beholding Him who sits on the throne. Philippians 3 verse 3 says, we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus. No Holy Spirit, there's no worship. No Holy Spirit, there's no worship. The Holy Spirit helps us to worship. He's the tutor who teaches us to worship you know, I had the joy, the privilege just a couple of days ago, just on the streets of Liverpool at Jesus Loves, a conference that was going on there, taking people out on the streets. Just met a guy called Sammy, walking along the street. Just approached him, said to him, hi, my, name, my name's Dave, what's your name? My name's Sammy, hi, Sammy. I said, just want to ask you, do you know that God loves you? He said, wow. He said, I was talking about that last night to someone. Then, you know, I said, "All oh, right." It, I, I, and within a few minutes just led him in a prayer of asking God the Holy Spirit, introduced him to some church leaders or took his phone number and he was desperate to be with him because he was just so, so ready just to give his life to the Lord. I just, as I prayed for him and asked the Holy Spirit to come, I said, Sammy, did you feel anything? He said, yeah. He said, I just felt such warmth and, and such something happening. I want to say to us, it's beautiful. It's beautiful seeing someone who isn't an expert engage with God the Holy Spirit. I want to say Never, ever, ever become experts because the moment you become an expert, you die. Uh, never become experts. Always keep that childlike simplicity. I love seeing um, uh, Jethro, wasn't it, this morning? J- little Jethro, come. I don't know how many of you saw him, but come and get the flag. He was waving it, he was clapping his hands. He couldn't care less if he'd got a flag. You know, he was just, just worshipping the Lord. I thought, Lord, I want, that. I want something of Jethro's spirit there. I want that simplicity, that childlike faith that says, Yeah, you know, I want to ask you when you were worshiping today, did you feel the Holy Spirit? Don't ever think, Oh, that's something. You know, never go on to autopilot, will you, when you're worshiping God? Never get into autopilot. Just always feel, What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Whether there's music, whether there's no music, whether it's good music, whether it's rough key, whether the words are coming up right, whether they're coming up wrong. Just always be sensitive. And actually, there's a warmth. There's, a, there's something, maybe there's nothing. And don't ever put yourself down. Be kind to yourself because the Holy Spirit is. And if it's not what I experienced, it's not as powerful as I felt last time. Don't worry about it. Say, well, Lord, I'm feeling something. Breathe in, feel your own breath and say, Lord, this is the Holy Spirit. I'm going to breathe you in. The Spirit of God, you're the air I breathe. I want to breathe you in. Because something happens as we worship. Um, let me just read 2 Corinthians three eighteen. Paul writes, "We in the New American Standard version, which which does it accurately, this: We all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Are transformed into the same image as the one we behold. Do you get it? Have you been to the fairground and you see these mirrors where you suddenly go in and what? I'm all fat. I'm all thin and tall. And they're they're the funny mirrors. You've you've done it, yeah?" Nobody goes to the fairground anymore. Right, remember that for next time. But that, 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 that sort of mirror. You know, the, the fact is, you move away from it. You think, actually, whew, I'm not like that. Go, I'm not like that. I'm quite normal, really. But when you behold him in worship, you look at yourself, you look at him, you look at yourself, and it's what John says in 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so also are we in this world. wow. I'm looking at my twin brother. I'm just like him. As you worship, you, you, you suddenly think, well, it's as Paul says in, in, in 1 Corinthians 2, 6, uh, you know, I've actually got the mind of Christ. I'm like him. You know, it's impossible to be immature. It's impossible to sin while you're worshiping. Try, no, don't try it, but, 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 but you, it's impossible. You couldn't do it. You cannot be in that place of just worshipping God and loving God and, and having sex outside of marriage. You can't do it. You can't worship. What? But when you're engaged in in worship, when you're loving God, you think, wow, this is this is fantastic. I'm in a place where I I realize I'm just like him. And you behold him and you realize who you are. You realize what he's done. Because what God wants is on this planet, and this is the prophetic word that Sumba brought when she asked us a few weeks ago through the Spirit. Do you know what the time is? It's time to mature. It's time to grow up because Romans eight nineteen tells us that the whole of creation is waiting, is longing, is groaning for the sons of God, the mature sons, the mature daughters to be revealed. People in your street, people in your workplace, the trees, the rivers, the frogs, the birds, all waiting for you to be mature, for you to be revealed, for us to be those mature sons and daughters who fellowship, who talk, who have mature conversations with, son, with their father, with the Holy Spirit. And it is so, so much better. I, 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 let's just bow our heads and pray. Um, you know, Paul writes, just as we've borne the image of the man of the dust, so we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven, meaning Jesus. The spirit of adoption tells us today that we're going to make it, that we already are, you know, it's in our system, it's in our DNA, that it's inevitable. When we see him, 1 John 4, when we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We might see at the moment through a, a glass darkly. It might be like through that Corinthian mirror that, 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 that Paul writes about. In, and uh, it, it might be like that, but, but you know, one day you're going to see him face to face. And eternity will be in front of you right here, right now. We have the opportunity to do something that we won't be able to do in eternity. And that is to grow up and to be walking in a sinful world, in a broken world as the mature sons and daughters of God. Holy Spirit, come right now, we say. We invite you, Holy Spirit to come and speak to each one of us in this room and let our hearts feel something let our bodies feel something as you come Holy Spirit and we pray that we will welcome you as the loving kind gracious teacher that you are who's there to see us succeed who's there to see us become who you intend us to be champions every one of us people who are not slaves to anything, but set free and just knowing your love, your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.